Welcome back to the Eddie Corns Podcast. Today, I'm with the one, the only, Chris Ryan. He hosts The Watch with Andy Greenwald. He's frequently on the big picture with Sean Fennessy. Uh, he's always on the Rewatch Bulls pretty much every week. Chris, thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me, man. This is exciting. I This is my second Corns Cup podcast, so or my, my <laughs> second Corns show, so I feel like I'm running the entire family gamut here. Yeah, you're pretty much part of the family now, so <laughs> happy to have you. <laughs> Let's start with the divisional round. The Chiefs won over the Bills. It's their sixth straight AFC Championship appearance. That's one for every year Mahomes has been a starter. That's unbelievable. It's the most, is it the most, a question for you, is it the most impressive streak any sports person has had since LeBron went to eight straight finals? That's a great question. That's a great way of looking at it. I definitely think that he has slipped into the Brady zone where he feels inevitable. I remember actually there was a run like in the beginning of the 2010s I can't remember who had the line, but it was basically like, I'll never bet against the Spurs, the San Antonio Spurs, unless told otherwise, like unless there's an injury or, or whatever, but you just, you don't lose money betting uh, if you just bet on the Spurs. I feel that way about the Chiefs now, even though like, this is probably the weakest Chiefs team of the six that you were talking about. Yeah, I, I do feel like there is a kind of difference in class between Mahomes and everybody else. And I don't even know if you would really say that Mahomes won that game. You know, like it was more a question of whether or not Buffalo lost it. Uh, but, you know, for as much as everybody is killing the kicker for missing that that last field goal, I think everybody is like, if you give him Mahomes the ball back with a minute and a half left, like, yeah, it, seems, it feels yeah. like he would have driven down the field. Yeah, he's reached that stage now where it's kind of, if you give him more than a minute, the game feels like it's over. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, the, game, in so. your lifetime, like, you'll have, like, four or five things like this. Like, I think for Premier League football fans, it was, like, Fergie time, where, like, if Manchester United was within spitting distance with, like, three minutes of out of time or five minutes of out of time, like, it felt like they were going to still jump back in it. Um, I think that, like you mentioned, like, Le- the peak LeBron era felt inevitable. Brady felt inevitable there were Yankees teams in my lifetime that have felt like this, but this chiefs thing is, is pretty significant. Yeah. Let's move over to the losers. Now the bills, <laughs> obviously wide right field goal. I actually yelled when it missed. I just could not believe it. It's one of the worst losses I've ever seen. I know. Score, honestly, just finally, it felt like they're finally going to go over the hump and then just devastating. And your Eagles, you're a big Philly fan. got absolutely destroyed against the Bucks. Um, anything to say about that so i guess it's a question of would you rather your team quit which is essentially what the eagles did over the last few weeks of the regular season and then they got their asses kicked by the bucks and just didn't really tackle like just clearly were not playing very hard would you rather your team just quit and it be an embarrassment and then you go straight into the postseason postmortem or would you rather have your heart torn out of your chest and stomped on (laughs) by patrick mahomes when it's like everything is going your way. You made the coordinator change. You've rolled off these victories. You get the home field. Mahomes has to go to Buffalo. He is an underdog. And then you still have one of the most iconic losses in sports history going wide right again. I don't know which one's worse, honestly. Like, I think yeah, it'd be cool it's... to feel something like that, like the Bills thing. Like, you just be like, I can't believe it. But I'm saying that as a, somebody who cheers for a team that won a Super Bowl within the last six years. So it's like, mm. I'm still riding the vapors of that. I, I don't know. What would you yeah. do? <laughs> well, the Bills, at least you have an excuse. Like, you can blame it all on the kicker. You can say, Allen had a really good game. Um, our defense played pretty well down the stretch. Stop Mahomes. And it, again, it's, you're playing Patrick Mahomes, so you're probably going to lose. So you have an excuse. Where the Eagles, they played the Bucks, who were clearly not a great team. And well, 
didn't really deserve to get to the second round and weren't very good in the second round. I know it was an eight-point game, but Detroit outclassed them pretty much the whole game. So I, I think I'd rather be the Eagles just because of the, the Super Bowl in the past yeah. where the Bills have had literally nothing and it's just been constant disappointment. Yeah, it's like, do you um, fire Sean McDermott who has led the team to so many playoff appearances and has obviously like stood this franchise up you know, in conjunction with Allen? Or do you kind of run it back and expect a different result. I mean, people have brought up the Peyton Manning comparison and about how long he had to wait to get to the promised land as a quarterback. And, you know, I, I, I don't really know what to say. It's like, I, I don't believe really in curses per se. You know, even the Red Sox, like they were cursed for so long and then they rattle off three or four World Series over the course of 15, 20 years after that. It's just... I, I, it's just really hard to imagine, like, if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, be like, I'm going to get so excited for the preseason next year and expect a different <laughs> yeah. result. Yeah. Would you have fired Nick Sirianni as an Eagles fan? Did you want to see him? Well, I, it's not even whether I, I would have because I don't like Nick. I just don't okay. know, I have that many. I can't think of other examples of a team clearly quitting on a coach or quitting on a season and the coach coming back because usually what happens is it's like, Oh, we had a lot of injuries or there was this tough thing or this like quarterback didn't play well or, you know, and, and coaches can be like, Oh, you know, the scheme wasn't right for one thing or another, but effort is something that's usually a referendum on like whether or not players like playing for their coach. So yeah, to me that that was effort down the stretch. You know, it was like, this is a team that beat the, beat the bills, beat the chiefs, beat the Cowboys once, uh, you know, got killed by the Niners, but like that was during a really tough part of their schedule and then laid down to like the easiest part of their schedule, like the commanders and the giants and, and the Seahawks losses. And I just feel like that is hard to come back from. So it wouldn't even be like Nick stinks. He's out. I mean, the guy did obviously coach in a Super Bowl last season. It's really hard to imagine firing him, but as we're going to talk about later, like I think that coach job security is no longer a sacred thing. Um, and so yeah. with Vrabel, Belichick, Pete Carroll, some of the coordinators that are on the uh, market right now for head coaching jobs, I'm kind of surprised that it seems like they're bringing him back, if only because, as a lot of people have pointed out, you will never get a chance to get somebody of Belichick or Pete Carroll's caliber on the open market again. Yeah. Would you have been happy to see Belichick no. as a coach, even though you've had no? <laughs> and I am also not convinced that like Belichick's not kind of past it or isn't isn't like really right for modern football. And to some extent, I mean, he's obviously a defensive genius, but like I have no confidence in his ability to put together like a really good staff to help Jalen Jalen Hurts. And okay. it doesn't seem like I mean he ha he has had ample opportunity to put together like an offense in in New England, and he's kind of screwed it. Um, I think I would have been interested in Vrabel. I think I would have been interested in some of the hot offensive coordinators that are being talked about, like Ben Johnson, who is Detroit's offensive coordinator. But, yeah, yeah. you know, it'll be interesting to see who they hire to be the coordinators in Philly because it'll either be guys who are kind of like underneath Nick's purview or it'll be ex-head coaches who are kind of like there in case Nick screws up. Like they're talking about Ron Rivera. They're talking about Frank yeah. Reich. There's... It, that'll, that'll tell us a lot about their confidence. Speaking of Detroit, everyone seems to have penciled the 49ers into the Super Bowl already. And Detroit have played, I think, really well these first few rounds. The Rams were probably the best team to be eliminated so far, I think. Uh, are we sure Detroit can't cause an upset? Because I think they're being way overlooked. No, I think it's possible. I, I, I think... 
I think that if the 49ers are rolling, I, I, oh, okay, here's a better way to look at it. No Debo, I think Detroit, it's, it's like a coin toss. Like, I think, it, I think Detroit has a, sh- a chance. With Debo, I think it's like a little bit different. Um, okay. I thought that that was probably going to be Brock's worst game in the playoffs. Uh, you, you'd think that, you know, Detroit defense, oh, man. I don't know. It's really it's it, it's uh, there's a lot of variables. It's weather. It's uh like game situation. Like did, did Detroit go up like 14, 17 points and the Niners have to chase it, or do the Niners yeah. go up and like get to hold Detroit off? It'll it'll be such a fascinating game, and it's also like Detroit's had the advantage of playing indoors with their fans, and it's a much different mm. scenario in in for the in the in playing in in San Francisco. The most interesting thing for me is Detroit rank one in DVOA against run on their defense. Yeah. So if this game is put in Brock Purdy's hands and he has to go win it, I just don't have the confidence in him to go do it, especially after last game. I know he had the game-winning drive. He only had one incomplete pass on that, that drive. But I just after the Ravens game, I don't really see Purdy having the confidence to go down and just go win that game on his own terms with the ball in his hand throwing deep without Debo as well especially if he's gone but he kind of did makes it look I mean really he fun. just he did beat beat the Packers I mean this is the weird thing right now is that the reputational swings swings for quarterbacks are so extreme right now where it's like Brock Purdy is an MVP candidate and then it gets to this part of the season and we're like Brock Purdy yeah. should get cut you know what I mean like yeah <laughs> I I think he's They've got Brady rumors yeah and it's uh it's it's very it's very interesting. Like whoever loses in these championship games, the quarterbacks are going to be the ones who get blamed for the most part. I mean, it's yeah. definitely happening in Philly with Jalen Hurts. So yeah. I think Goff, it's like Goff's probably playing above what people thought he was. So that's like, he's, he's no matter what happens, he'll be fine. But for Purdy, if they lose, it's going to be like another conversation about whether or not there's a better quarterback out there for the Niners. Yeah. Speaking of the Niners and the Super Bowl, who is your pick to go and win it all? I'm going to go Ravens. Okay. I'm going to go Ravens. I, yeah. I think that the Ravens are better than the Chiefs. I think Lamar's playing out of his mind, but the big thing is I just think the Ravens' defense is just absolutely okay. sick. And it just feels like one of those seasons where, yeah, like if it's Niners-Ravens, like do you want do you, do you pick the Ravens to beat the Niners for a second time or does Shanahan have some stuff up his sleeve? It's possible. But... Mm-hmm. I feel like the Ravens really have the look of a Super Bowl champion. Okay, I'm actually going to pick the Chiefs. Yeah. I'm just going to believe in Mahomes. Uh, he's inevitable, like you said. And yeah, I, I mean, just, I'm a Broncos you, fan, so it pains well, me. Why bet against him, right? Like, I wouldn't. Yeah, I, w- yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah. All right, let's move over to the NBA now. Out of nowhere this morning, huge I day. woke up. Huge day. Adrian Griffin fired out of nowhere. The Bucks are second in the East, and he's been fired. And it sounds like Doc Rivers is the favorite to land the job. There's conflicting reports. ESPN saying he hasn't talked to the Bucks yet. The Athletic is saying he has. As a Philly fan who Doc was your coach for multiple years and you had some real highs and real lows with him, do you feel better going up against Milwaukee with him as a coach or much worse? You're more scared of them if he's the coach. I haven't thought about it that way. Um, okay. I feel fine either way going up against Milwaukee because... I don't think this team has looked right in the post-Drew Holiday era. Like, the wins aside, the defense has not been been right since Drew left and since yeah. Adrian Griffin yeah. took over. And that that's, to me, that's they're vulnerable in that way. I don't know if Doc okay. or Tom Thibodeau or whoever can fix that with Damian Lillard as the point of attack guard. 
Um, yeah, it's it's a big issue. The there. big I mean, thing that Dame no- also oh, go ahead. had like multiple issues with the coach that's been reported that he didn't really believe in his offense philosophy. Apparently, Giannis lost faith in him as well. Yes. So maybe Doc can just help with chemistry issues, but it's so hard to change a whole defensive scheme or whatever they're going to do during the season. Yeah. That feels impossible. They're not going to have a lot of practice. They have a lot of veterans. They're not going to be like out there doing two a days with these guys. They're not, you know, this isn't like a college team. I think that the thing to understand about the Griffin firing is this. This in a way is another testament to player power because the one thing that you can do now that has no salary cap penalties, that has nothing, it's nothing but how much of a wallet does your owner have is you can fire the coach. Mm -hmm. And you can fire yeah. a coach who is in second place in the conference, who is first year on the job that was Giannis's handpicked choice to replace Bud, and you can still fire him before the All Star break, which is kind of kind of amazing. Like I, I don't think yeah. even David Blatt, I think, got a season with mm. the Cavs before he got fired the following season for Ty Lue if I remember correctly, how that worked out. So it's like, yeah. this is pretty rare. And what's also more rare is that they are firing him and there really is only one coach available unless there's yeah. something I don't understand, which is Doc. I think Kenny Atkinson was thrown Kenny, out there, Yeah, Kenny Atkinson like is, is out there, I guess. You could make a run at Charles Lee, who used to be on yeah. Bud's staff in Milwaukee and is now on uh, Joe Missoula's staff in, in Boston and is highly respected. Um but this is like, this isn't the off season. There isn't like ten available coaches. There's there's not a lot yeah. of guys who are like, yeah, I can drop everything and come come move to Milwaukee for the rest of the season, and also do it in a, a circumstance where it's like, are you going to be able to like, is the defense this easily fixable that you just go back to Bud's style of defense and this will fix itself? I don't really know how much of that was Drew. So for Doc, yeah. I mean, great, you go right back into it. You're you're in. You're you're almost guaranteed to be a second round playoff team at least, and you you have a shot at, at getting revenge on Boston and getting revenge on Philly. It's probably pretty good for him. I'll be bummed out if he yeah. doesn't do pods with Bill. But um, <laughs> yeah, as far as like Doc as a as a boogeyman in the playoffs for the Sixers, I'm not super worried about it. I'm pretty confident in Nick Nurse. All right. The Sixers are now 29 and 13, and B just dropped 70 points. One of the, I think, the best performances we've seen this year. He's playing the best basketball of his career. Maxi's star. Is this the best Sixers team you've had since Butler left in 2019 and you went to the. Yes. It is the best coach Sixers team I have ever seen since the process started. Um, Okay. I would say that this team is moving more, playing more creatively on both sides of the ball. Everybody seems to know their role. You get contributions from up and down the depth chart every night with these star anchor performances from Maxi and Embiid. And even though they're third in the conference, they're cruising. It just really does feel like they're cruising. Like they'll win six in a row. Maybe they lose a few. Maybe Embiid goes out. Maybe Maxi goes out, whatever. But like they are really, really operating at such an efficient level right now. The Embiid 70. Um, I was talking about this today on the Ringers Philly special, which is our Philadelphia local sports show about, um, you know, essentially like the difference between what happened with Embiid and what happened with Towns last night and Towns scores 62 or whatever. And his coach rips him and gets benched. And it's just like, that's the, and that's the number one team in the Western conference. But it was like Minnesota just has those kinds of internal issues. Sometimes that used to be Philly. 
that used to be something okay. that would happen in Philadelphia where it was like something good would always have to come with something bad. And now it just seems kind of uncomplicated. The only thing that's going to stop him beat, honestly, in my opinion, from winning back-to-back MVPs is if he doesn't hit the 65-game threshold with games played, which I think is now kind of looming a little bit. He's got 30-something. So he would have to like not get hurt in the second half of the season, essentially. Yeah, to... he's only seven missed games away from becoming ineligible. Right. Are you in favor of the role? Um, not now. <laughs> I hadn't really thought about it. Um, I mean, I think it's just like, so so if a guy, one guy has 66 games played and one guy has 64 games played, that that's going to make a huge difference in Mm. their value, quote unquote. I think MVP is such an opaque idea anyway, but um, (laughs) I would love to see him win it again. Last season was kind of almost like icky because it was clearly like he was campaigning for it and yeah, yeah. you know, it, it was sort of like, uh, I, this is kind of like reminds All me of when, stuff. when Westbrook was yeah. doing the triple double thing and he won it. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, they're awesome right now. I mean like, and, and, and I think that Boston is like the most impressive team I've seen this season by far, but they are also very dependent on three point shooting and the health of a couple of guys. And so are the Sixers yeah. in terms of their health. But I think the Sixers have multiple ways to beat you. Okay, so you see weakness in Boston, even though they're... I don't know if I see weakness. It's just the same weakness I've always seen, which is like their fourth quarter offense is not always the most creative. And if their three-point shots aren't falling, then it's like the ceiling comes in. Like They're just... They're basically like so dependent on like shooting 53s a game that if those aren't falling, I don't know what plan B is. Is there anyone you can see Philly adding at the deadline? I hope not. Anyone? I don't want them to. I okay, certainly don't want them to like break up the core of this team to add like Zach Levine or something like that. Um, I think that they could use a backup point guard. There's already been rumors about Kyle Lowry who got traded today for um, mm-hmm. Terry Rozier. Uh, Kyle Lowry is like essentially like out of gas as a pro ball player, but I think he would be like yeah. a good locker room guy. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. he could probably play like 10 minutes a game to spell Maxi in the playoffs. Uh, and you yeah. never know. Like Kyle Lowry is just like a really crafty player on a team of really crafty, savvy players. Like this is a team built for the championship run. Last year in the finals, Lowry had, I can't remember what game it was, but he like pretty much nearly won the game on his back. Yeah, I'm sure he, he has went. something like that in his bag. It's just that like right now, like Kyle Lowry was like a big free agent signing three seasons ago or yeah. whatever it was. And now he's like, yeah. Let's get him out of here, and we have to sweeten it with a pick. Hmm. Okay. The Warriors are 18 and 22. The Lakers are 22 and 22. The Suns have struggled throughout the year. There's been KD trade rumors, a bunch of just bad locker room stuff with the Suns. Is the LeBron, Steph, and KD era we've come to know over the past decade and a bit, is it finally coming to an end? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, I think it's it, that's okay. not a controversial statement because those guys are all getting older. You know, like LeBron cannot single-handedly will the Lakers to the top of the conference. Um, The Warriors probably made too many systemic mistakes by holding on to their draft picks that became Kaminga, Moody, and and Wiseman. And, you know, I think how could they have accounted for the steep fall-off of Wiggins? How could they have accounted for the erratic behavior of Draymond? How could they have known how spotty Clay would be? I don't think he's as washed as he gets... rap for yeah, but I, I don't agree. think he's yeah. dependable so then you're in yeah. like we're paying all these guys to be inconsistent and you just basically are relying on Steph and kids and that's not a, that's not enough so I think that they just made 
a fundamental strategic error with how they built the team around Steph for this last part of his like prime. And as far as the Suns go, I mean, this is kind of what happens when you you team hop, you know, and you try to put together a three man super team. There's just simply not enough money to go around uh, to 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 build out a credible enough roster if all three guys aren't playing all the time at the top of their ability. So. Yeah, I know James Jones is like I like our team if we're healthy. Um, I I wouldn't necessarily want to play in a one game playoff against any of these guys, but over the course of an eighty two game season and seven game series, and also just not for nothing, like two of these teams, the Lakers and the Warriors, are like scratching to get into the play in. So I don't know. It's 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 kind of like it's not even like a conversation about whether the pages turn and look like now who's who's a, who are the teams that we talk about now. They're the teams of, of of Tatum and Giannis and Jokic and Embiid. Those are the those are the powerhouses of this league now. Um, it's not it's not the teams of of KD, Steph, and, and LeBron. Yeah, they just all look old and slow to me, and it sucks because even like the Warriors were in the finals not even mm-hmm. two like two years ago. What happened there? Clay just completely fell off he still makes some shots some nights but i just don't trust him. yeah i mean they just they're victims of their own success in some ways where it's like they they had to pay those guys and i think everybody they have one side of their sort of organizational philosophy is probably too sentimental where it's like we're sticking Mm. with this core group that that have won titles here before and then the other side of the organization is probably too almost like reckless where you're like, Hey, if you've got a veteran team, you should surround it with veteran talent rather than hope that these three first round draft picks all turn into something within the first five years of their career. And now it seems like that was their biggest mistake. Yeah, They believed in themselves too much. Really? Yeah. And it was, those guys were drafted in the COVID year. So it's like a strange era for drafting because I don't think people had tape on guys and you know, Kaminga's coming out of the G league. Moody was decent, but he was like a cool role player from Arkansas, and Wiseman was a complete unknown. And he like barely played in college. I think he had two games in college, plus all the COVID stuff. Yeah, so it's, yeah. Just so it's like, yeah, they could have had Halliburton or they could have had Lamelo, but like you know th- that that ha- that that happens every year in the draft where it's like I can't believe this guy got taken like three picks after what we did. Yeah, all right, I'm gonna, I want to move over to some more ringer and podcast sure, stuff man. now. I just want to ask a really general question because you're on so many podcasts and they're all great and I enjoy all of them. So to you, what makes a really good podcast? I think that for me, uh, the topic of the podcast is secondary to the chemistry of the people on it. So I listen to podcasts that I don't have like a huge uh, relationship to what they're talking about. Like I like the things that, you know, say... Like, I, for instance, I listen to a podcast called No Laying Up, which is a great golf podcast. I like golf and I follow it, I think, fairly closely, but not like in, it's not in a central preoccupation of my life. But I listen to the podcast religiously because I love the chemistry of the people on it. And I could name okay. so many of my favorite pods are exactly that. Now, you do have to have expertise and you have to have passion for what you're talking about. But for me, it's like I am I am lucky enough to do shows with a lot of my closest friends and it's some of the people that I do shows with I've known for 10, 20 years. So it's really like, uh, it's kind of special in that sense. But to me, it's always going to, chemistry always trumps like, you know, format or what the, you know, like whether or not they have like some sort of corner 
market on uh on some advanced analytics or something like that like i always just go for the hang is there any tv writer or showrunner or anyone like that that you feel like you have really good chemistry with and you'd love to hear them do a podcast one day or i would love to hear damon lindelof who did lost and watchmen uh i would love to hear him do a a, a podcast where he just like riffs on tv and art because i just think he's one of the smartest people i've ever met when it comes to that stuff and talk about storytelling but you know it's it, it is a little bit of a line where it's like you you, you know you don't want to like talk too much out of school and you don't want to tell too many industry secrets and so yeah, I understand yeah. why we don't I, I think for the ex-players in, in sports podcasting that's become kind of a, a huge sensation it's not so much common yeah. in in arts and in, in pop culture I'd love to hear Jesse Armstrong do yeah a podcast and you guys have him on pretty frequently I just Love yeah, I think the industry, the so guys good. who do industry would be great if they had a pod. Jesse yeah. would be a great podcaster. Like, there's lots of people I can think of, but yeah, I can understand why some people are like, it's it's probably hard enough to just do succession. I don't also need to do yeah, a podcast. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Bill Simmons has been walking around LA. I know, man. Filming these YouTube shorts and they're on Instagram and I, I actually really enjoy them. He gives some takes. Like, he did one on the Golden Globes and that was good. When are we getting you walking around LA giving your take on the Ted TV series? Which <laughs> I just watched. I thought it was all right. When are we getting that? I need it. Um, I think I, you know, I'm on so many shows. I just don't know how much people need of me, you know? <laughs> and it's like, I typically find that like, it's not like I have a ton of leftover takes after I'm done doing yeah, podcasts. So uh, yeah. I'm also, I, I obey traffic laws a little bit more religiously than Bill does. Uh, <laughs> so I wouldn't just want to walk out into the middle of Fountain and get killed here in LA. <laughs> true detective is back uh it's back on tv it's probably the biggest show right now yeah i think it's the most interesting one on tv you and andy have been doing recaps on the uh first two episodes do you have any theories as to where the fourth season could be headed they've brought back or they're mentioning a few of the first season yeah you know i mean i think that the two major things are it's it's obviously making some explicit connections to the first season of true detective and by proxy a, yeah. a, some some residual stuff to the other two after that, I would imagine that if I had to guess, I have not watched ahead, so um, okay. I'm just I'm just guessing. I would say that that is going to be probably more superficial than anything else because I think it would be complicated for Isa Lopez, who created this version of the show, to answer the questions or fill in the blanks that were left by Nick Pizzolatto's version of the story. Uh, and I would imagine yeah. she wants to do something that's closer to her own thing. So I don't think we're going to get like an explicit, this is what the spiral means. Carcosa okay. is real. The Tuttles still are out yeah. there or whatever. I know that we're getting Easter eggs about it. I think that also this, this up, this series has a little bit more of a supernatural bent to it. So there's, mm. This idea that ghosts are real and and that you know that there's there's a kind of a little bit more of an environmental horror element to it. So I think some combination of a little bit of true detective and a little bit of supernatural horror are going to be what we wind up with. All right, great, Chris. Thank you for coming on. Of course, it was man. A lot of fun. I appreciate it so much. You're just an absolute legend. Of, so thank you for. Of coming course, on. anytime, dude. You just let me know. All right, thank you, Chris. Take care. <laughs>